Welcome to the Genesis Speaks podcast, the transformative power of women's stories, a platform that empowers women's storytelling to promote collective vulnerability, acceptance, and healing. I am your host, Jennifer Malcolm, self-made entrepreneur, women advocate, and life balance expert. Welcome back to the next episode of Genesis Speaks podcast, the transformative power of women's stories, where every woman has a story and every story matters. I'm Jennifer Malcolm, founder and president of Genesis and Associates. And with me today is Betsy Muller, who I have known, I think, since 2011. We met through business. She's been in and around work with me, um, has been a speaker for me and and some of my clients. She's been a part of Genesis Speaks way back in the early inception on the original uh, rendition of it. So I'm excited to have Hertz here today with us. I'm going to read her bio, and then we're going to just jump right into her story. So Betsy is an author, speaker, and leader with a heart for healing and lifting emotions. She's an accredited EFT, International Master Trainer of Emotional Freedom Techniques, Interfaith Minister, and a Certified Soul Detective. She offers private coaching, professional practitioner training, women's events, and retreats to keep her clients growing creating, and connecting. Betsy is also the author of the best-selling books, Energy Makeover, and The Comeback Story, and Energy Makeover Love Story. Welcome, Betsy. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm excited to be here, too. (laughs) I know I haven't seen your face. I know we follow each other on, on social and back and forth, and through the pandemic, I haven't seen many people, but you and I haven't had coffee or wine or a walk or any of that for several years, so it's great to see your face. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. So we're going to just jump right into the work that you do and the work that you do with women. People will say, what is EFT? So I'd love for you to take some time just to describe the work that you do, the training you've received, the certifications so that people can understand the beautiful work that you do do. So you've been an EFT practitioner for 15 years. What is an EFT practitioner? Okay. EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Techniques. And it is an innovative way to calm the body down. It's actually been called acupuncture for emotions without needles. And really what the science is showing now, there's a lot of clinical studies that didn't exist 15 years ago when I started doing this, but the clinical studies show that tapping, you know, tap, tap, tap on your face and on points on the body Uh, neutralizes the human stress response. What it does is it neutralizes that activity in the brain of fight or flight. It lowers the hormone cortisol and it calms your body unbelievably well. And when you combine it with words and talking and basic coaching while you are tapping on these points, you can open up an individual to really find their brilliance, to to get out of fear and to get into this place of calm clarity where everything goes better. And uh, it, it's quite incredible. And it, oh, the other thing I should tell you that I get all excited about and the research proves too, is that when you use this process in groups, more than two together, it's just like what Jesus said about church too, right. that it amplifies the healing effect. And I think I always knew this when I got started in my business, because I was always really into doing group stuff and getting people together. Um, But the other thing about it that I'm learning now is it works really well on Zoom. It works better than I ever imagined. And I struggled a lot lately, like, can I really do this on Zoom? Oh, yes. Wow. I get goosebumps just talking about it right now, because that, I think 
makes me grateful for a pandemic in spite of how yucky this been for all of us, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting though, because all of us as, you know, business owners had to pivot through this and had to figure out what can work during a pandemic. And we also had to go back to the, the innovation. Like, what can I do differently? How can I pivot this service or this offering? And for you to be able to do that um, on Zoom is incredible because I would think that it's a physical, I mean, my assumption would be like, oh, you have to physically be together and get the energy. But if you can facilitate that way, um, that's amazing. I am in awe because the last two years, I'm seeing so much more about tapping, about breath therapy, about all of this stuff. It's becoming more and more normal, I'm going to say, or, or more and more prevalent. But you've been in this work a long time. So you were really a forerunner when people weren't doing it, when people didn't understand that. How did that feel? Because sometimes I think people used to say like, oh, she's a little wacky or a little woo-woo or a little out there. But like the science and, and all of us are catching up to where you've been. But how was that for you navigating that? So I think for me personally, you know, I was I was a very grounded, solid business person before I got into this. I have a chemistry degree, master's in business. I had I had been in a lot of pretty responsible business roles. And people who knew me knew I didn't just like fly off the handle into weird stuff. Um, the thing is, I've always been open-minded too. When I when I tried this the first time in 2001, I was blown away because I'd always been really highly stressed because of all the things I was doing. You know, I was a working mother and I had really demanding corporate jobs. And when I found EFT, I just like, I'm like, what was that? Yeah. And there was no science behind it. And the scientist in me was like very frustrated. Like, well, there's got to be science. Somebody's sure. got to study this. This is, this is doing something. What's going on? And, you know, I think it just took my, my inner strength said, you know what? This is the right thing to do. I'm going to totally change careers. I put all my, my previous experience off to the side and decided to become an expert at a new thing at, at age 47. That's amazing. And, you know, I, I even look back, I was like, how did you know to do that? But it felt, it felt so right. And it wasn't like it, that change didn't happen because of any crisis in my life. I was totally happy. Everything was going fine. My marriage, my kids. Yeah, I was busy. I was working. I was sometimes stressed, but there was nothing that said, oh, you have to totally rewrite your life. And yet when they came into my life, I'm like, hmm, I think I have to do this. And I even quit a job without being sure what I was going to do with it. That's how... I guess how daring it was at the time. Well, I think it's fun because, you know, for me, like this Genesis, uh, Genesis Speaks was a second career for me. I, you know, my background was um, athletic training, pre-physical therapy. I was a high school science teacher. And then through divorce, I basically got that, you know, I felt the, the whispering of who do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I don't know if I want that schedule or that life. And so mm -hmm. mine had like a pivot, like mine had a pause to like, all right, well, you can reposition yourself, which I did. But for you, you took a real leap of faith of, hey, I, I do have a career. I, I have a chemistry degree. I have a, a solid business career. And you really just took that leap of faith into something unknown and your curiosity toward that and your desire to learn more about it and become an expert in it 
is really admirable. So that's pretty cool. Really cool. So your original plans, though, I know you ended up being a chemistry teacher, but I have it in my notes here. You, you wanted to be a doctor? Well, I, 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 I was always really good in school. I got the straight A's. I was an honor student, you know, and, and when you're good at everything, even chemistry and physics, they're like, well, you should just you know, major in that because you're good at it. And so, you know, that's my dad really wanted me to be a doctor. I'm like, okay. So I went to college. I was really good at chemistry. And the, the longer I was there, I was like, you know, I just can't go into this medical stuff because all I could see was blood and drugs. And those two things were not my thing. Uh, on the other hand, I, I did take business classes in college and I loved it. I took sociology. I mean, I was a liberal arts major, so I exposed myself to a lot of things and I always loved the arts you know, and, and so I thought, well, I'll, I'll use this chemistry degree. I'll go into sales or something. But I ended up being a research chemist for a while when I got out of school. That wasn't really what I thought it was going to do, but it gave me a, uh, an in to get my MBA. And then, uh, you know, I did all these like corporate business kind of jobs. The thing is, when I look back, what really drove everything, I think, toward where, where we are right now is I always had this love of fitness and health. Mm-hmm. I was really a health nut my whole life because right. I understood that you couldn't get much done unless you were really healthy. And I, I loved working out. I was a student athlete. I ran track and, you know, I continued doing track and running and, you know, aerobics and things like that, even when I got out of college, because it kept me in balance. Maybe life balance was was really, that's again, a theme of my whole life. How do you have a successful life and make it all work without like getting sick? <laughs> and because I saw people dropping around me in the corporate world. And um, so I think that's what really was the driving force that brought me from that woman who studied chemistry and 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 thought she was going to be a doctor to where I am today because it it it's the same thing and you know i i would say for any woman who's wondering am i doing the right thing take a take a step back and say what do you really love to read about right you know like which part of the paper or which part of the articles or which part of you know what kind of podcasts are you listening to like what gets your attention Right. Um, because that's always gotten my attention. It still does. I love yeah. reading about health and actually advice columns. I always loved <laughs> advice columns. And now here I am coaching people and helping them through their deepest, darkest, horrible secrets. And um comes natural. Yeah. And, and I love that because you're, what you're saying is there's, there's going to be an affinity towards something. It doesn't mean that, hey, I like advice columns. doesn't mean you're going to go write an advice column, but you're using the same types of skills in coaching to facilitate, to help, to groom. Uh, and I wanted to go back on your, your chemistry and your, your journey in college because now I have two college-age children. Mm-hmm. And my daughter's uh, – I know this is not going to be – released today but today my daughter turned 18 so I have two adult children now mm-hmm. and and the mystery of like you know you you think you're going into college for one thing she wants to be an equine vet and I said you know what you're gonna get exposed to so many new things that you've never experienced before and just be open like if you want to be a horse vet go for it the world you know like the world's your yours to do but also don't get bogged down like be open to what other things are you gravitate toward mm-hmm. and she hates oil chemistry, though. Organic chemistry is killing her. I don't, I don't think I really liked it. <laughs> no, you were just good I, at it. 
but I was good. You know, I could get A's in it. So, you know, but that's not the reason to do it. No. You know, there are a lot. Of, I was good at everything. That's always been kind of my curse because I've got to boil it down to, okay, you're good at it. Right. But people take advantage of you being good at things. Right. And what comes easily for you that you enjoy, that's never working. That's just like having fun your whole life. And uh, what I'm doing now does not feel like work very often. Awesome. No, Hardly that's, ever. That's Unless incredible. Technology that's sometimes gets to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Technology still gets to all of us, I think, at some point, especially with the uh, overload with the pandemic and everyone's doing oh. online. But that's a great advice because I, my, my dad, when growing up, always taught us, you know, if you're good at things, you still have to give up good things for the best things. So the things that really drive your passion, your heart, that makes you come alive when it's not like this women's movement that we've started, it is not work. It is like full passion, full joy. Yes, there's a lot of logistics. Yes, it's a lot of time, but I it it feeds my soul and it's it's coming out of my pores in a way that I never knew could be possible. And yes, it's work. But it doesn't feel like work. So that's I want to make that point uh, to our listeners to make sure that if you're not passionate about it, maybe there's something that can you can step into to fulfill that passion within your heart. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. So we're going to go for, fast forward a few years ago because I, uh, I was sharing with Betsy before we started recording. I am uh, 85% way through her latest book. But you went through a real traumatic experience and really pivoted for a a long season um your life and your family's lives so would you like to share a little bit about that story okay it was a hard year it was already a hard year for me 2017 i had to have ankle surgery that year (laughs) so you'll read about it in my book i i had to shut my business down for the most part because i was going to be not able to walk for four months i really got an education about what it's like to be handicapped. And my husband took care of me and we managed, it was hard. And I was just getting back on my feet and we decided to take a little vacation. We went to Michigan and while we were on this vacation, on the third day of vacation, my husband went out running in the morning and he didn't come back. And it turned out that he had a, uh, he had a cardiac arrest away from the place we were staying, and he was found by a stranger and given CPR, and they called 911, and he was pretty much dead when the squad came, but they gave him five or six shocks and brought him back, and as John Doe, he was taken to a hospital. I eventually you know, got in touch with the police and reported him missing because he didn't come back and was told that they thought he was, they, he was at this emergency room, you know, here I was, I didn't even have a car. I did have friends that got us to the hospital. And from there, it just got worse. (laughs) It was um, probably one of the most traumatic days of my entire life. I'd always worked with trauma through my clients, but I had never had this big T thing where your whole body just goes really like like it's, it's shock. I, I felt physical shock by the time I got to the hospital. Um, and I was able to see my husband and there was blood and he was intubated. And then I was told that he had no brain activity by the doctor. Um, 
you know, but then the doctor said, well, you know, we'll put him into a coma and see what happens. But that day was a lot of stuff all at once that hit me and it was horrible. Um, and soon I realized that when somebody's in ICU, it's weeks before you can even think about moving that person. So I had to shut everything down in my business. I had to rally help to, to keep things going back at home. We had pets back at home and lawn that needed cutting and get somehow get my kids there with us and make a lot of decisions on behalf of a very, very sick guy who was close to death. So um, <laughs> it, it there's a definition of, of trauma that I give all my clients and my students. I use the, the uh, letters acronym UDIN, U-D-I-N. U is for un, unexpected. D is for drama or death. I is for isolation, feeling alone, and N stands for no plan. I had all the you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I, I teach was, about it. I teach I about was, it, but I'd rather not experience it. <laughs> so if anybody wants to know, have I ever been traumatized? See if you can, you know, if the you didn't shows up. And actually the pandemic right now is a great um, example of you didn't. It's just more like prolonged trauma. So, you know, it can be real acute, like one second, one minute of horrible news, or it can be something that kind of continues. Um, but, but yeah. And that's, and that's, no, that's good to, as you're talking about the UDIN and the pandemic, because I know that is on the forefront of all of our listeners, that it's their day-to-day reality. And so many things that are, that are planned, uh, weddings that have been planned, anniversary parties that have been planned, dreams that have been planned, trips that have been planned, vacations, and to, to have that just taken away or, you know, hurry up and stop. And, um, and I know through, you know, the, our, my, our circle of friends and family that the added layer of stress and homeschooling and, you know, two income families, and now you, you don't know what to do with, you know, little ones around and having to teach, mm-hmm. like, that is trauma. And I, I, and you are the first person I've heard use that word, about the pandemic. And I think it's really useful to say like, this is something that we're grieving, we're struggling, we're, we're, you know, use the UDIN uh, mm-hmm. to say that. So that's really powerful. Yeah. So back, back in Michigan. So back in Michigan, well, I guess, you know, it was, it was soon very evident that it was a long haul experience. Right. Um, but I guess I give myself credit, and, and the book shares a day by day of what happened. As you know, you read the book. Um, as upset as I was that first day, I did come back to what I know always works. I used emotional freedom techniques. I prayed. Yeah. I got outdoors and took walks whenever I had a chance. I connected to myself through writing and also sharing on social media, sharing the story so that I could ask for prayers from people. What I found day after day, if I did that, if I showed up and walked in my faith and took care of myself to do do my job of calming my body down, I could be peaceful. I I think back to those days. I mean, there was a lot of crap swirling around me, but I was in the eye of the hurricane, which is the present moment. Yeah 
I'm in my body. I could watch it swirling around. It was almost as if I was observing myself sometimes. But, you know, I like people even say to me now, they're like, you were so calm. You were, you know, you were so articulate. You told the doctor exactly what you need. <laughs> you know, you asked her what you needed. I mean, but I, I guess it was almost like I followed my own advice and I had lots of great support would just show up. Right. Which again, when you're calm, when you get clear, I think you can attract what you need. Right. And that's a, a lesson about manifesting, about making life, I guess, aligning yourself with what life is and being okay with it. Right. Just calm down. I'm like, oh, I kept telling myself every day, but I'd get mad at God every day. So I pray, of course. So I, I'd go outside somewhere and I'd do my little tapping routine and then I'd have a talk with the, with God. And some days I was, I, guess, I would, I would cry and I would yell and I would tap yeah. while I'm praying. Yeah. And then this calm would come in and I'm like, oh, okay. So this is the plan. Yeah. Help me. so you know I I guess it it was it was really interesting it was magical because then I'd ask for things I'm like well if we could do this that'd be really nice and then I'd kind of say okay God you know what you're doing I'll get out of the way just take care of us and I would get on with my day and and it would be pretty good until some doctor said some horrible thing to me and then (laughs) I'd go yell at God again for a while (laughs) yeah that's real and I think that was a part of the book that I really appreciated because you didn't sugarcoat in the book your emotions. You oh, didn't no. sugarcoat in the book uh, the struggles physically, mentally that George was going through, how it was to be a uh, caregiver to your husband and the fears that you face. Like you, you didn't sugarcoat it, and I really appreciated the rawness of it and the realness of, you know, you're you're scared, you're really scared, and you're reaching out to your community, you're reaching out to your son and daughter, you're reaching out to people to support. But, you know, there's an added layer of stress when you're, I don't know how many hours away you were from home, but you're out of state. Like, you're not even sleeping in your own bed. You're, you're not having the community around you, you know, where yeah. you can do that. And uh, I was, I was very, it was very admirable the way that you were very just raw and real in your sharing of your story. Yeah. Well, thanks. And, you know, even when everything calmed down, and I guess I should say, for those that haven't read the book, my husband made a miraculous recovery. Um, he, he even went back to coaching, uh, the Strongsville lacrosse team and, and, you know, he drives and he does everything. He still does stupid husband things. <laughs> Don't they all? <laughs> but but they he, all? <laughs> he came back to me in spite of all the odds that said we were, you know, he was like an infant in a diaper for a long time. And that was really hard to see. Um, but there was always this like, I always had a sense he was coming back, even when the doctors didn't see it. I could see like gradual things every day. It was very curious how, how it all played out. And and just the trauma of the experience. And when I was reading your book, I and I am not going to remotely say my situation is like yours, but uh, Chad, my husband, uh, came in from outdoors uh, several weeks ago, probably about a month ago now, and. Um, we had been outside with a neighbor and he um, was talking to me and he just like did this like um, trust fall 
in Uh-oh. our kitchen. And I was oh, like, no. what? what? And so I thought he was joking. I went over. I was like, no, he totally passed out. And so then he got up and then he stumbled. He went around the table and he stumbled again. He hit his face on the ground. Oh, no. And we called 911. And then I'm reading your book going, okay. okay. But he was immediately awake both times, coherent, um, cognizant, responsive, knew his date. But it's scary. Like that was well, George had that happen a couple times. Didn't diagnose anything, you know. And I still wonder. I mean, yeah. And I, I'm, I am on him all the time. Of you know, how are you doing? Are you hydrated? You know. And he's not. He's been incident free since. He hasn't even had a trigger. But the the preliminary part of your book, I was like, this is hitting too close to home. And I'll probably hate that I'm even talking about it on the podcast. But it is. It's traumatic. And I was so scared in that moment. So I can't imagine like walking into a hospital room, seeing your best friend, your husband, your lover, they're intubated and, and in a coma that you can't even correspond or talk or, you know, you, you can touch him and you can, you can send him your messages. I remember you were telling him, right. you know, yeah, talking to him. Telepathically talk. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so many, so many weeks and weeks that we, you know, no texts and no phone calls, you know, and that like just hearing their voice, um, but they're still there, you know, it, it, it was, that was hard because he was like my best friend. He still is. Right. Absolutely. That's who I talk to. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's the thing like we take for granted. Like, you know, Chad goes to BW to teach and, you know, he texts me when he gets there. He texts me when he's done. We text throughout the day. Like we're not together. And just that piece that you, you know, it's almost like you're going grieving and going through a death because you're not getting the communication yet, you know, mm-hmm. you're physically alive. Yeah. So that, that had to have been like this rock, you know, roller coaster of emotions that- yeah. And being living a single life for yeah. three or four months for us too, you know, because George was institutionalized for a long time. So, you know, I came home to an empty house, an empty bed. Wow. And uh, that was, you know, and then going back and forth to the rehab facilities every day. It, it hurt me, you know, it hurt my business. It stopped my business. But, you know, he was my priority. And even when he got better, I had this driving need to get the book done. I thought, you know what? I, other people need to know how to get through a rough thing. And also I think brain injury being so unusual and so weird. Like it, I had read a book about somebody who recovered from a brain injury, a, a wife's book, yeah. uh, you know, and that had helped me so much. And I thought we need more books about people getting over brain injury for the sake of those that are going to be walking this path in the future, because the medical community is very negative and you gotta, you gotta have faith. You gotta have something to at least give you the possibility. And the hope. And so like your book and the book that you were able to read, you know, it's that light in the darkness. It's something that's like, you know what, I'm going to, I am, I'm going to the power of a testimony. I'm, I'm going to, to, to attach to a positive outcome for, you know, whoever that reader of your book will be walking through that and to bring hope. And I love that piece that your book is going to be uh, a beacon of hope for people that are walking through the brain, brain, traumatic brain injuries too. So um, did this experience change your, your view, deepen your view, challenge your view on uh, trauma healing or, or, because you're now walking through what you coach and you teach and you help other people through, but how did it change or not change for you on those two topics? 
I think it just helped me recognize how complex trauma is. Um, I think I was very fortunate because my childhood was a very, I guess, loving, easy kind of childhood. Um, I know from a lot of the clients that I work with, you know, if they've had childhood trauma, their current experience of trauma as adults is worse because that childhood trauma kind of sets them up to be less resilient to future trauma. Um, and there's a lot of studies that back that up. There's something called the Adver Adverse Childhood Events um, Study that was done by Kaiser and the CDC. And, you know, I teach my my practitioner clients about that. You know, we need to be aware, all of us, that trauma exists. I think trauma-informed care for anybody, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a coach, whether you're a speaker even, you know, you find that some of the people we have the most difficulty getting along with have been traumatized. And that's why they're behaving the way they behave. Right. And, and you know, some of our difficult clients, some, some of our difficult uh, people that, you know, we serve even, you know, I'm fortunate that I have this experience understanding trauma, because if you can calm someone down, um, everybody can win. Right. Uh, and, um, and you can permanently kind of change the brain too with emotional freedom techniques for past long-term traumas, which I think is pretty neat. You can rewrite the neural pathways and help people create new stories that kind of take precedence in the brain um, so that people don't automatically get their, you know, get triggered into a, a traumatic response. Right. And that's powerful because what I was jotting down is there has to be a deeper level of even empathy that you're now able to offer through your experience to your, your clients that, it, that gives it just that, that little bit of sweetness, that cherry on the top that, and you're very empathetic because I've done work with you before. I know you are very empathetic in, in, when you're, when you're, working with clients, but having that just little bit of deeper understanding of something that really is a trauma and, yeah. uh, and that, that alliance or that, that bridge of empathy, uh, I'm sure helps a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the other piece that we've been talking on this podcast and for women is just those trauma triggers and what is it from something in our past, something from a divorce, something from a rape, something from sexual abuse, something from, you know, something that's happened in our past that, that we, we have every action, emotional reaction that's in a situation. I might react in anger towards something that wasn't warranted, but it's mm -hmm. hitting a, a trigger. What are some, some techniques for our audience? Cause you, you know, you probably won't be able to see all of those that are going to be listening to this, but what are some simple techniques that I know that the tapping and the, the stuff that, that can calm you down? I know there's breath therapy, but what are some quick tools that you might be able to offer to our listeners? Uh, quick tools. So getting grounded is a principle, I would say, that everybody needs to understand at some basic level. Uh, to me, it can be as simple as sitting in your chair, sitting tall with your feet flat on the ground. And uh, take a moment to take a nice deep breath in through your nose. And then you exhale, a nice long exhale. I use it like, like I'm blowing out a candle. You exhale like a, to make that exhale extra long. And sometimes if you exhale as you close your eyes and feel yourself sink down into your heart. 
So imagine that there's a little ball of energy up here in your head, which there usually is. I <laughs> come down. Um, but, you know, really feeling yourself sink down. You think of your heart as your center. And even sometimes it helps just to knock on your heart to remind yourself that this is where your, your brilliance and your intelligent really li- yeah. intelligence really lives there, not up in your head. So closing the eyes sometimes can be helpful to get that energy down into the heart. Um, so the, the, I call it the straw breath or the blowing out the candle breath. That's a really good one. Um, grounding is a principle. You can ground by touching your dog or cat too, or looking out the window at a tree. Um, you know, it's a reminder to be present and that you're a present being on planet earth that instead of getting into the past or the 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 future you get yourself in the present moment tapping the points you know i'm thinking about what is there a point that i would have someone tap on if i could teach one point oftentimes i have people put a hand on their heart and they tap this point between the the knuckles of the ring finger and the little finger Hmm. point is called the gamut point and it's the uh energy meridian that controls our fight or flight response. So it can be a helpful point just to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's not an EFT point. It's actually an an extra kind of intervention point, but it works nicely. Um, I also suggest um, in today's world, moving, like stretching, stretching um, is really good. You know, make your shoulders go up and down, (laughs) you know, like embody. The whole term embodiment, you know, really feel yourself in your body, get out of your chair, you know, even make your eyes roll around, like just, just, just be a physical being because a lot of this computer stuff these days takes us out of our physical realm a bit and we need to, you know, get up and walk, get outside in nature. So important. Yeah. And so I guess those are a couple. I love it. And and part of it is like how amazing. And the more and more I'm studying and interviewing different women on the podcast, doing my own work, how much our body can heal itself and how much power is within us. And if you, you work on just your breath alone, if you get outside, if you stretch, if you are present, if you're grounded, how much uh, of that you can self-heal or at least position yourself in a better mental space and it's all free breath is free (laughs) you know and you know when you I I guess my bottom line that I always say is when you calm down you will make the very best decisions and when you calm down you'll eat healthier when you calm down you'll you'll know a yes from a no I that's one of the things I'm always teaching clients how do you know a yes what does a yes feel like Mm -hmm. to know that yeah it, it comes from here it's good. For me, it's like this little line that goes up to my head and back down yeah. um, that, you know, you can even manage your portfolio with this stuff. That's good. It's so good. How do I know? Because I do. <laughs> <laughs> you do it, you teach it, you live it. Yeah. So going back to your story with George, because I know faith uh, in your marriage alone and then faith in God are two really core values of yours that you've walked uh, your best friends there how did that help you? Did it waver during this? Or was it really that plumb line that um, kept you, your eyes set on the end goal? Yeah, I was, there was never any question. I mean, no matter what happened, I was going to love him forever. 
Yeah. I mean, we always loved each other. We had a really strong marriage. I was thinking we've been together 41 years. Awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I know that's most of my life. Um, you know, so till death do us part. And I really think that souls that love each other go beyond death. I mean, it's, it, it was not a question. No, it's good. No, I think one of the interesting things though, about his whole experience is that we always kind of had our own little circles of friends and where we behaved and where we, you know, you know, it's, I think the Venn diagram, you know, where two people come together and there's this little area where they merge and ours was really strong, but you know, he, he worked for the Cleveland Browns. He was a, a high school coach. He had all these athlete friends everywhere, you know, his lacrosse buddies and his football buddies and his players and this man's world, you know, that I, I really didn't want anything to do with. But when he got sick, you know, suddenly I got to meet those people and they were really cool. They were really cool. And they stepped up to support us and pray for us and buy our book when it came out. And they were were just like, you know, they weren't such big old jacks they were (laughs) and at the same time you know my friends got to know this wonderful gentle athlete that I was married to and and what a good guy he was so um I I think that's one of the blessings that came out of but because we live we operated in two very different worlds and now our worlds had a chance to merge and see one another you know and that's a gift because you you shared a few stories uh, in your book of the guy sitting on your on your your surprise for George and he's sitting on your porch and he's got his cowboy hat on and and <laughs> yeah. you know and 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 just that that you're you seeing them laugh you seeing George and his friends hug you hearing the stories of times that he was away from you that you you know you said I used to resent those times I I didn't understand it I didn't understand his guy world and friends but how important it was just in community and friendship and giving back to you and George spending time with you giving you relief to be able to exercise get into work do some mm-hmm. stuff and what a gift that those two worlds really overlapped each other mm-hmm. and now a a healthier or a, a different marriage that you probably never would have known or experienced had right. this not happened yeah, I love I love finding the gifts in, mm-hmm. in trauma and hurt because there are gifts that happen. There, there's yeah. gifts. There's things that we learn through it. We heal through it. Uh, we get experiences in it. And that one was a resounding thread throughout your book of mm-hmm. the friends that you were able to meet that George had um, without you. Mm-hmm. So uh, as you continue now, the the, the you're, you've written your book. George is in full recovery. He's uh, back coaching, and you're able to pivot, you know, back into your work with women, your work mm-hmm. with your patients. Uh, how is that? Um, you know, the stories that you're able to the, to share without you know breaking HIPAA or any of that. The work that you do currently and. Is it the same that you were doing before, or is it different than the work before you before George's uh, accident? Um, you know, in some ways, it's very similar because I I do see private clients. Um, I've I've actually teamed up with a local therapist too to do some groups with women, and uh, I guess you know I will say most recently the words that come out of people's mouths more often. Are the words anxiety that comes out that, you know, I don't diagnose it, but that's what people say they're dealing with insomnia. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think 
um, what I'm also hearing is people with complex medical stuff um, that has an origin uh, with a lot of trauma throughout their life. Uh, Whether it started in childhood or medical issues actually becoming a long-term emotional trauma because they've been traumatized in the medical system in some way, like a bad diagnosis and unnecessary surgery or a complication that's come out of surgery and a, a medical team that wasn't very supportive at a time when maybe that person also didn't have other kinds of support. Um, I also see a lot of uh, trauma around divorce and breakups and death. I mean, here I am, I'm in my 60s now. And so a lot of people in my, I guess, in my world are losing parents, um, possibly losing spouses, even, you know, and that, that, that's, that's part of the reality that I think we all have to get more comfortable with. Death isn't real pleasant to talk about, but we're all going to die. Right. And I think that piece of trauma, because uh, I am a firm believer that our emotional well-being affects our physical body. Oh, yes. It's <laughs> the body does not lie there. You know, there are a lot, lots of books and papers written about the body holds the trauma. And if you haven't processed it, it's it's going to do something. Right. And, you know, even, you know, unforgiveness and back issues or, you know, like just, you know, just uh, stress and joint pain and, and how your body will, will be telling you shout your body shouting out to you, help, I need help. And because you're, you have trauma of some sort and you're not dealing with it. And I think that's the beautiful work that you offer with your clients is through the uh, healing trauma you're also healing your body. And so it's that two and four, two and one type combo where most people will be like, I'm going to go to a physical doctor to, to work on my physical pain. Well, I would always tell them to go to the doctor too. Yep. What I do is not a substitute for traditional medicine. And that's one of the first intake questions I'm going to ask. Well, yep. you know, where else are you getting help? Cause sure. this is the, this is an add on. Yeah. This is a way to make everything else work better, but don't give up on, on the traditional. Absolutely. And and to the point, though, like some people will address the physical, but never address the emotional. And you're saying, I'm going to address the emotional, go to the physical. So it's yeah. both and. And through the work, I, I know people who have had significant healing, physical healing, when they deal with traumatic issues. Right. And actually, sometimes mental health um, interventions can be highly traumatic because, you know, people have to tell their stories over and over and over again. And traditional mental health isn't addressing the physical part of it either. Um, You know, I'm not a board certified mental health person, but I'm giving clients a way to process the mental and the physical together. And that's why I'm so excited to be able to train mental health practitioners. I can and I can do CE education for nurses and therapists, social workers, and uh, chemical dependency counselors. Right. I can I can give them lots of credits. Yeah. They have to do it anyway. So um, and and they're like blown away uh, how well this works. Although it changes the way they practice when people get better faster. And that's one of the threats that um, using emotional freedom techniques can be for the traditional mental health, um, I guess, the way it's always been. Because 
the data shows people get better faster. They process faster. Yeah. I have a logistical question. When people come to see you, is it usually like I'm going to see you once, twice, three times, and then, you know, I work through my trauma and I'm done? Or is it kind of a, I'm going to continue to come to you to continue to process and, and seal the good work that's going on um, emotionally? No, it's, that's, that's a good question. Um, I found that the best way for me to help people where I start every new client is a four-session package just four sessions, once a week for a month. It gives me a chance to figure out how they're processing things. Also, a lot of times what comes up on the phone, the form at the beginning isn't really what's going on because they've got to trust you to tell you what's really going on. So usually by the second session, we're making some sort of progress. By the third session, we're really making progress. And by the fourth session, they're empowered to do a lot of the work on their own. Those are the kind of clients I'm looking for. I want coachable clients. I don't want mentally ill people. That's not my bailiwick. Okay. Um, And, and then it's about honesty at the end of four sessions. If someone still, I know that they need help processing some things that they're making progress, but they're not quite independent yet. I'll be honest with them. I'll say, I think you could benefit from more more sessions, but maybe we go every other week now. Maybe we go once a month. And then the other possibility is they're really feeling pretty good, but they want to hang out with other people that do tapping and who care about personal growth. And maybe they just need some new friends because their old friends weren't quite doing it for them. So they they can be in my group programs. I have book discussion groups. I have tapping groups. I have a free tapping group every Monday. You know, I... I try to, uh, and then the Indigo Connection Group, which is a networking group for women that are always searching for more. So everything's on Zoom right now. I was actually doing a lot of Zoom for my client work before all this happened. So now I I got really good at Zoom. I'm a a certified virtual educator too. That's awesome. Did you know you could be that? No, I had no clue. (laughs) (laughs) I had no clue. And that's my next question was going to say, because I know that you do retreats with women um, in the past, pre-pandemic. But you do offsite retreats, you've done oh, yeah. um, around. So what type of woman would gravitate toward that? What are they interested in? What's the focus of that group? Well, usually that woman loves the outdoors. Um, you know, she's a passionate reader. Um, she doesn't have to be any particular religion or belief system, but she's got to be fairly open-minded. And uh, she's just got to be like, I want to have more fun. I'd like to meet some nice people. You know, it's funny because I attract people who are in recovery, so they don't drink at all. Some people drink. I mean, some people are, um, they, my circles tend to be between 40 and 70 in age, I would say. Um, But I'm starting to get some younger ones coming in, which is really neat to me because, um, my, my own kids are millennials. They really need what I'm doing. And I think um, I'm, I'm growing in a way that I think I can serve them awesome. better than I, I have been. So, you know, these online tools, they're all about that. And, you know, my, my recent students were just so good. They're so proficient. I don't have to, you know, the older ladies... They have some trouble sometimes with the Zoom things. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I like these younger ones. They can come right on. They know what to do. That's awesome, and I think that's fine because you are so you have your fingers in so many different elements to help women, help people, and 
but they're very, they can be very niche, you know, so you're, you have your book club, you have your tapping, you have your indigo connection, you have these things. So it, but there's a common thread of people who are open, people who want to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> they value health. They value, they know that, that life's better when you connect with other people and right. that going it alone. A lot of them are highly sensitive, I would say. And that's a quality that can make them miserable, but it can also be a gift when you realize how to utilize it. So as we're going through the pandemic and you're realizing you're, you know, you, you're seeing some consistent uh, people dealing with anxiety, uh, dealing with insomnia, what are some other ways that maybe a friend, like how could I help a friend? I'm not a practitioner. I'm not going to, you know, help them go through EFT or tapping, but what are some ways that as friends, as women, we can better support each other and really like give that community aspect of love, support, unconditional love without walking them through therapy. We're not, that's not what we're qualified for, but what are some good tips that you might encourage our listeners to be able to do to their family and friends? Yeah, you know, we were talking about just helping people find out who they are. You know, um, there's an exercise I'm giving a group this week, and I'll just share it with you because I think it's a brilliant exercise. You know, to, to go to somebody you trust, a spouse or a best friend, and ask that person, when do you experience me most alive and most filled with joy? Ask them to, you know, when do you experience me? What am I doing when you experience me? full of most of who I am. Um, you know, I think sometimes we miss it uh, or we have a sense of what it is. And to have somebody else tell you, um, it can be such a gift. I, I know right now, you know, life seems kind of constrained for everybody. So how, you know, how do we keep living and have the best experience? Well, we got to get out. If, if we're really feeling down, I say, own the feeling, go around stomping and swearing and own the feeling, make noise. Right. A lot of times us ladies don't make a noise right. when something's really bothering us. So use your favorite swear word and just go <laughs> around the house. <laughs> or I, I was teaching women to just make a sound yeah. for that feeling, yeah. find a sound for that feeling and yeah. go around, and make that sound. Yeah, that's good. And, now, and once you once you get it out, I mean, it's about it's about expressing it, and then you can get to that place of starting to reach for where's the gratitude, where are the possibilities. I love journaling. I've always been a big advocate of journaling and writing. Um, you know, reaching out to somebody else, um, and even you know, pausing once you get yourself settled down to ask, what would be easy for me to do to help somebody else. Good. You know, make a phone call, you know, reach out to somebody, um, you know, this, send somebody a little package. If you're cleaning out your closet, maybe you've got a bunch of things that someone else would like, mail them to them and somebody else. You know? <laughs> I just sent packages to all my students and they were like so excited that I sent them a package because I, I couldn't see them. You know, I, I'm used to schlepping all this stuff to seminars and, and now I thought, well, I can still go to the post office and mail them something after the seminar. Those are, you know, it's not just about us. We got to find a way to be of service and then, then we feel good. Right. And I think that's huge. And that's an easy activation, a simple act of kindness, whether that's a card, handwritten card, a gift, I mean, Amazon, it sets, it sets it up so easily with 
care packages and things you can do, personalize the note, but mm-hmm. that, that sense of keeping community and I see you, you're important yeah. to me, you're valuable. You know, and, and it brings me back to when, you know, when I was in my hardest times with George too, you know, it seemed like the people that really helped me the most were people that had been through a medical trauma before with their family. They kind of knew what we were going through. And those people would send me gift cards for, you know, takeout or coffee. And they would, you know, they would come and just do nice gestures or offer to take me out at the end of a long day. Um, I don't, you know, I think sometimes if you've been through it, you're, you're much better at it. Because yeah. I also remember being highly disappointed by people that I thought were my good friends who didn't do anything. Wow. I thought, well, what's that about? Yeah. But, you know, I guess it's, it's different for everybody. What are your concerns um, as we're, it's now October, this will probably come out in November on a podcast. What are your concerns for, it's going to be getting colder. And so us Ohioans are going to be indoors. And it's going to be getting darker sooner. So, you know, I am so grateful that the pandemic happened in the spring and summer where we were still able to take chairs and sit outside and, and go for walks. But what would be some things to say, you know, it, people who are already dealing with depression or anxiety or that stuff, it's it's going to get colder, it's going to get darker. Yeah. Some advice there? Yeah. So I would say don't stop going outside even if it is colder and darker. Um, you know, I got these things for my shoes that, I don't know, they keep you from slipping. What are they called? They're these little things you put on the bottom of your shoe or your boots. I don't know, but you'll have to tell me and we'll put it up uh, yeah. on the social media. Some, sort of, some name, I can't think of it right now. Um, the other thing that when I had the ankle surgery, I had that in winter and I couldn't go out or do anything for months. And, you know, I'm a fitness crazed person. I work out like an hour every day, but I couldn't during that. Um, I did this five minute energy routine that comes from Donna Eden energy medicine. And I tell you what, that worked really well on my emotional side on keeping me up in winter without exercise. So um, I, I can send you a link that yeah, you can share with the audience, but I love that routine. I, I have a video of me doing it actually when I was on crutches, cause I couldn't even stand up and I could still do it. So um, it's a good routine for people that are recovering from something. That's too. And, um, and, and the more tools and tips that I can provide, you know, through our speakers to help us through a pandemic because it's still continuing uh but b as as it's going to be getting colder and and uh, darker soon just some things that just keep you know a gifts i mean get, everyone loves mail everyone loves going to get a card in the mail or a package on the front porch that's unexpected nor did i buy type scenario and i think those those random acts of kindness moving your body uh even in the cold winter is essential so yeah. we, and then get a dog. <laughs> Dogs are great. I got a well. I have a therapy dog now. That she's just so much fun, and and uh, we travel with her, and awesome. and we walk a lot because of this old dog. Because she's border collie. She's real, yeah, real active. We we have a, we have a dog too. Well, I didn't have a dog prior to marrying Chad. He and he inherited three teenagers from me. I inherited mm-hmm. the dog with him, and mm-hmm. I was not certain. Like there was like this like not much of a. As an adult, I've never had a dog. We did grow up with him when we were little, uh-huh. and he is one that like this dog. If you're gonna have a dog, it needs to be loved. It needs to be played with. It needs to be on your lap. It needs to be yeah. walked. And he <laughs> he walks the dog three to four times a day. 
anywhere yeah. between three and seven miles and depending on you know what 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 our plan and scope is for the day but it does it brings you a different it gets you out of your head mm-hmm. and the dog is so responsive and it's she brooklyn is beautiful and fun to play with and annoying at other times but aren't we all so yeah. <laughs> that's right <laughs> part of the family exactly <laughs> So as we finish up uh, this episode, what would be some closing remarks that you really want to impart to our listeners, to you know, women who might be struggling with either trauma, mental health, um, overcoming a medical trauma, like you know, a caregiver. You know, there's a lot of my friends who are caregivers for their parents now, and it is stressful, and it is taxing, mm-hmm. and it is overwhelming, and it is constant. But what are some words of encouragement that you could provide our audience in closing? So I would say have hope, love and accept yourself whenever you have a chance. And I know that sounds hard, um, but if you tap and actually say it, you start believing it after a while. Um, I would invite anyone. I do a free group every Monday. It's called our Tapping for Calm Clarity during COVID every Monday at one o'clock Eastern time. It's a half hour. It's people from all over the world and we get together on Zoom and and. We tap for whatever feels right that day. Sometimes we're doing distance healing with the tapping for, for a situation, just sending love to somebody who needs it. Um, some days we're laughing and tapping. Some days we're crying or we're, we're helping one of the people that shows up on the call with something. So that's always there. Um, and you can learn. I have a, you know, on my website, I have a, a mini course to teach you about tapping and the science of tapping and why it's really good for anybody who's got burnout or, you know, long-term, I, we're all going through a long-term yucky thing. So, you know, express your emotions, feel them, be present to what's there. Don't, don't try to run away from it. Feel it. Right. Go around the house swearing. Like I said before, right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell that to Chad later. He's like, did you do a zoom call and now you have Tourette's or something? Like what's going on? I love it. You know, it's just that women are so nice most of the time. We don't say the filthy stuff that's running around in our head and we really need to get it out because otherwise it's going to cause some sort of problem in our body. Yeah. It really will. You know, enough of being nice. We yeah. can be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Let it out. And I, I recently, one of the women that I did a podcast earlier this year with, you know, she just, she used the visual. She's like, women have a cork like right here. And mm-hmm. we don't think that we should, we should say the things and we suppress it and we keep our mouth shut, but inside we're festering. We're so angry or livid or hurt. And we have to unleash that cork to use our voice. And I love that you said, make a sound, swear, do something to get that out of your body. And even with childhood trauma, if, if there was really childhood trauma, a lot of times to express that and work with it, you, you use nonverbal because the, the, something that happened to a small child, even before the age of seven, they were not articulate enough to express it. Yeah, that's good. It works. (laughs) I've done some work where, you know, I've been coached, like, just let it out, like a growl or a roar or whatever. And I'm like, that is so weird. I'm like, I don't do that. And it took me like years. Like, I was like, I can cry. I can yell. I can punch. But there was something that locks down the women's voices. And it Mm -hmm. is powerful. So I love that you you brought a a lot of attention. And think about, you've got your heart and you've got your divine connection, which I believe comes into your crown. If we have a clog in the system here between that and that, 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, we can't be the full expression of our, our holy right. divine self here on earth. We no. And for those of you who are listening, Betsy had her hand on one, her one hand on top of her head, one on her heart. And we're, we're looking at the clog in our throat. And so just to visualize if that clog is there, um, yeah, that's, that's something. So unlocking your voice, unlocking your truth, unlocking your pain, unlocking your frustration. And that's good because guys do it all the time and they blow up, blow off steam. Too much, too much, but women, you know, yeah. for the most part, not enough. And I think that's really important. So, well, we're going to wrap up and I really, really appreciate your time today. It's so good to see your face. She has this beautiful garden behind her mm-hmm. and it just looks serene and beautiful. So Betsy, I'm really honored that you are here today and that you're my friend and colleague mm-hmm. and you've been a part of my life for about a decade now and I'm very blessed for you. Yeah. Well, I wish you great success with the podcast and everything you're doing. Thanks again for including me. Thank you. You're so welcome. So this wraps up this episode uh, where every woman has a story and every story matters and that means you. So I'd love to get some of your takeaways from this about unleashing your voice, um, getting outside, moving your body tapping. Uh, we will also give information about how to get a hold of Betsy, how to get a hold of uh, the Monday tapping program, uh, her books and some of that as well. So stay tuned and uh, can't wait to hear from you guys uh, very soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Genesis Speaks podcast. If you love the show, one of the best things you can do is to share it with a friend. Tell them what you like about it, how it inspires you and invite them to listen. Subscribe to the Genesis movement to empower women's voices and reclaim the power over your own narrative.